There goes. One, two, three. Hello, Ann Arbor and the world. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and this is Jennifer Johnson here to bring you another fun hour of It's Hot in Here. Joining me in the studio is Rebecca Hardin. Hello, Rebecca. Jennifer, it feels absolutely out of control to be in the same room with you, in this <laughs> studio with you. What an awesome feeling. It's been so long. It's been far too long. I almost queued up some peaches and herb. <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking reunited would be appropriate because I literally haven't seen Jennifer in like I don't know, over a year maybe, and I just walked into the studio, and here she is. It's It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, Dave Clive is also uh, here, seated to my right. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello. How are you all? One of our newest co-hosts. And we're also very honored to have Donia Gerard with us today, who is a composer, activist, and all-around amazing woman who will be sharing um, some of her uh, recent compositions that you are it's it's impossible to hear them anywhere else. Uh, this may be the Ann Arbor debut of some of them, uh, and and to talk about uh, some emerging issues in Palestine as well as a recent trip there as well. Hello, Donia, and welcome. Hi, Jennifer. It's great to be here. Yeah. Also, Bailey will be joining us very very shortly. Bailey uh, Schneider is going to be on the mic later, so hold on for that, people. Yes. Shall we go to a tune first before we talk about this majorly important uh, issue emerging in our some of our very own front yards? Well, sure. I know that um, some of you listeners out there today may already be aware of the proposed um, widening of Gettys, um, Gettys Avenue here in Ann Arbor, which is a major access route to campus. And that's going to raise some issues we've talked about on this radio show a lot in the past about trees and animals and humans and sustainable transportation. And, and I found a letter Someone found a letter, you right? So I'm gonna wow. read the radio. I'm gonna read the, <laughs> the radio letter, right? And we're gonna we're gonna hear a little dance number. But before we go to our regular features and to our special guest, Donia, we're gonna hear a tune that harks back to our show a couple weeks ago on food sovereignty, and also to the show we did on Michigan Summer. This is a tune by Joe Riley. Joe Riley is a young wow. What is he? Um, the word lovely comes to mind. Folk. <laughs> Hip-hop, folk, artist, rock, folk, hop, hop, rock, folk, I'm going to call him. He's a hop, rock, folk artist. He does, he did a Greyhound bus tour of the United States just a year or two ago and wrote a lot of music on that. And he also works with Native American communities in the Detroit and wider Michigan area, especially with youth who are interested in musical productions. And he's connected with the Earthwork Collective, for which you all will find a link on our site. That's a loose group of fabulous musicians from Traverse City, Kalamazoo, Detroit. And um, I love this song. My daughter always tells me it's like that yoga rock folk song. And it is. It's a song that reminds us to breathe. And so it's a good one for the start of a broadcast. Let's listen to Joe Riley breathing in. And then we'll be back with lots of local news and international issues. Breathing out, my mind is clear. Breathing in, 
my body is at ease breathing out I am at peace breathing empty out your pockets no enlightenment here just a pair of brown eyes and some meditation gear it's clear we are something much more than what's sold on TV or bought in a store. We are stores of seeds, deep and wise. We are all of the oceans. Just look in your eyes, see the vastness of the sea, all the elements that be flowing through you and me. Let go and be free and breathe. alive right here breathing out my mind is clear breathing my body is at ease breathing out I am at peace perceptions so many misconceptions and wrong notions didn't you hear we are all of the oceans the waves the rocks and the clouds we are the water droplets gently falling down and returning to the sky i'm learning to ask why we're yearning just to try to breathe breathing in i am alive right here breathing out my mind is clear breathing in my body is at ease, breathing out. I am at peace, breathing. And there are so many reasons to be happy. my broom I'm dancing with the moon I will be dreaming soon but for now I'm wide awake sitting still like a lake with some wild rice growing it's really nice knowing who I really am who we really are 
Sometimes I can forget when I'm driving in my car It's time to pull over, didn't go very far Try walking on the earth, you might think that sounds bizarre I think it's rather funny to let go of my money And be one with the energy that flows in me and around me And so I just surround me with flowers and poetry beautiful verses so when my mind disperses i remember we've rehearsed this to not get caught in the cycle of birth and death i really don't know about that so i'll just follow my breath follow my breath follow your breath with me breathing in i am alive right here breathing out my mind is clear breathing in my body is at ease, breathing out. I am at peace. Breathing. And there are so many reasons to be happy. Hey, that was Joe Riley uh, with a, a lovely tune. I have to say, I, I feel so happy and I'd like to give some praise suddenly. <laughs> I don't know why. I'd like to give some praise to our engineer, Tex, who is in the booth today. Um, and he's got a, a mix of music online and music on recordings that we've compiled. We're doing some iTunes, so it's going to be a, a fun show. From the tech standpoint, I hope we'll get some callers as well. Coming Speaking in? of which, he is on the phone right now, so who knows? Yeah. Well, that's fabulous. Yeah. We seem to already, the phones are already ringing, and I haven't even told all of you listeners out there what our phone number is in case some of you would like to call in as the hour unfolds. We are always happy to take calls, and today we are in the Proud A studio, which means we can broadcast your calls, and you can talk to Ann Arbor and the world on It's Hot in Here directly. So that's uh, 734-763-3500. I'll repeat that. It's 734-763-3500. Please give us a call. I really would love to hear from folks. Um, and as always, on the front of the show, we like to do a few of our uh, kind of regular features that we've done over the years. Sometimes we'll do a little what's in season. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll do a little sign of the times environmental news. What are some of the other features, Jennifer, that we had over the years? Do you remember Always, some? Well, per my personal favorite was fish ain't biting uh, because we, we would feature a fish that perhaps we should not be eating for sustainability or <gasps> health reasons nice. and then feature an alternative to that. And we will be bringing that back. In fact, next week, I think we're doing a whole fish show. We are. I, I think Boom. I see you looking at David Clive there. Yeah. He's the resident fish fishing guru. And yes. so that's excellent. We will absolutely um, talk more about fish. What were some of the other features we used to have? Uh, toxic tangent. Oh, uh, nice. Featuring uh, 
Aviva. Is it Christina Aguilera's song, uh, Toxic? But also Aviva Glazer, who's now with the National Wildlife Federation. Fabulous. Um, well, I'm, I'm getting a, a little bit of a, of a heads up from text that we do have a caller on the line. And I am guessing that's because I have, we created a pre-brought blogcast for this week that, that does mention that we are going to talk a little bit about the Gettys Road Stormwater Management State Revolving Fund Project. That's a mouthful for a road improvement project on Gettys. Those of you who live here in Treetown, and we'll be back with that name in a minute, know that um, it's a major artery between the Huron River Parkway and our campus, our city, our residential neighborhoods. And that project number 559401 is on the docket for our on the radio inside of the times feature let's let's take a call hello thank you so much for calling it's hot in here this is rebecca and jennifer and david antonia and we are excited to have a caller hello can you hear me yes i can good afternoon rebecca this is Alyssa beverage and cody oh Alyssa <laughs> beverage and cody listeners out there may not understand but cody is a magnificent and rather imposing yet playful collie who's mostly white with a little bit of black on his face and he uh, has some pretty strong fig- yeah, i know right <laughs> david wants to meet cody Alyssa, can you All not right. just bring cody on into the st- no don't wait, don't no <laughs> don't do. don't do that i would love um too. So, yes, I'm a caller that walks up and down Gettys Avenue a number of times a day. And, yes, children's safety is up uh, and my own safety and my dog's safety is of the utmost importance to me. So I'm not denying that Gettys Avenue needs to be improved. Well, why, why does it need to be improved? What's, what's not right been, about it? Um, there are many flaws in the project. Okay. Um, by that, I mean um, residents are not being told about the project in a timely manner. We don't know who the decision-making authorities are. The timeline management has been horrendous. Today, we, I was just this, just this morning, I received a new email that the project is going to begin now in July when we thought it was going to start in October. And it does affect us because we cannot, we want to know what is going on. We are big stakeholders in this project and we just want to know what is Yes, the city, um, as residents, we feel we deserve that opportunity to know what is really going on. So you feel like the information flow has been um, less than ideal. Have you tried reaching out, Alyssa? And can you tell our listeners a little more about what, as a, as a walker of Gettys, what you and Cody find is not quite right about the safety situation now? What are we trying to fix? Speed. Hmm. Speed. Speed is a big um, issue. And as you know, uh, or or any of your listeners, when you are on Gettys Avenue, the speed varies from 20 20 miles per hour to 25 miles per hour to 30 miles per hour. And it's just constantly changing. And we do not believe that the planned road improvement project will make the road safer. Well, I know there have been some tragic deaths of children yes, on that I road in the last year. I did that, but uh-huh. you are right. And so this is a very big issue, and it's probably the, the, the tragedies um, that have occurred on Gettys, and one of them just last year in which families have lost young children, yes. um, has no doubt motivated some of the desperately needed improvements. I think we all agree there need to be improvements, but what's interesting, Alyssa, is your 
you're right. The the information and governance issues here in terms of what's happening when and and how, um, and and what's going on. Let's. Um, yes, I just again I want to reiterate. I I believe that the scope management and control of this project are are flawed. Thank you so and thank much. thank you again, Rebecca, for taking my call. Alyssa, thank you for calling in. I appreciate you your voice. I know you've been at lots weekend. of city council meetings on this, and I appreciate your engaged citizenship on this issue. I'm going to read a little more about the backstory here, Alyssa, and we will, uh, we'll talk with other callers very soon. Thanks All for right. your call. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. So what is the backstory on this issue? I, I actually can tell you more about that because guess what happened? I What happened? I found a letter. In fact, can we hear that Donna Summer tune for just a minute, please? I love that Donna Summer tune on the radio. Let's hear it. It's coming up, folks. This is the time we like to remind you that this is college radio. Yes. That's good. That's it. This is it. Which means it's more fun. So I did find a letter, and I'm going to read that letter on the radio and tell the world just how the writer feels. This is a write-in, which we've started this summer because we are so often in the FM studio without the live call option. And this particular letter is directed to Ms. Sonia Butler, the chief of the revolving loan section in the Office of Drinking Water and Municipal Assistance, State of Michigan's Department of Environmental Quality in Lansing. I couldn't read. It had fallen out of a brown overcoat, and I couldn't read the name on the bottom of the letter. But I can tell you what the letter says. It says, Dear Miss Butler, and and the topic of the letter is R.E., your finding of no significant impact on the Huron River Green Infrastructure Drainage District Gettys Road Project. Dear Miss Butler, I disagree with the decision by the Michigan DEQ that an environmental impact statement is not required for this Gettys Road Stormwater State Revolving Fund project, number 5594-01. The Environmental Assessment EA supporting notice states that the reason for the finding of no significant impact is the absence of long-term significant impacts associated with the project, only short-term adverse construction-related impacts. At six, the EA concludes that short-term impacts are outweighed by long-term benefits of reduced sediment and phosphorus inputs and stormwater runoff, leading to water quality improvements for the Middle Huron River. And David, I'm looking at you here because we're talking about your fishing territory right now. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So stay tuned. However, says the writer, there's a long-term negative impact associated with this project that is not being considered. The removal of a significant number of mature native hardwood trees from the short stretch of Gettys Road that will receive the stormwater installation. 
Contrary to your notice's conclusions, these saplings that are going to be used to replace these large, slow-growing trees will take decades before they'll have environmental benefits, similar to the ones that are being removed. And EIS, Environmental Impact Assessment, should be required to properly evaluate the effect of removing these trees before the DEQ approves loan assistance for this project. We need better information. That's what our caller, Alyssa Beveridge, said just a moment ago, and I'm sure she would concur with this letter, which actually does come from a very different person, another person who is concerned. The, the letter goes on, and I'll paraphrase, to talk about not only the way that these trees are really important ecologically in terms of air quality and so on, um, but also the way they abut the arboretum here in Ann Arbor and make up a kind of urban forest, much of which is in private hands, but many homeowners in that forest these think of themselves as stewards and spend lots of their time taking particular care of these big trees. So mature native hardwoods like oaks, black walnuts, maples, cherries, even an elm, I believe, which somehow escaped the Dutch elm disease, are all really important and shouldn't be eradicated. Furthermore, a couple of these trees are nesting sites for Indiana bats. And the letter goes on to say this, that the environmental assessment gives scant consideration to the negative effects of mature tree removal on the endangered Indiana bat. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen bats around Ann Arbor. They're twilight. Sure, we have. Yeah. There are actually a lot of them. And um, are you kind of up to date on what's going on with bats, like worldwide? Let's talk. Bats they're not habitat. doing really well. They're like, mm. cr- they're, it's worse than fish. They're crashing, right? Their populations I wasn't are. Aware. Do yeah. we know why that's happening? Yeah. You know why, Bailey? Yeah. White mouse and um, it's a big. It's there's kind of like a bat epidemic going around of white nose syndrome, and it's a fungal infection. And I actually learned about it last year when I was in Wyoming for the summer. That like if you've been in a cave anywhere around the world, you can't go into certain caves that have bats because that like you can spread this disease and it's like killing off huge numbers of populations of bats. <gasps> well, there's a there's a there's the value of having an undergraduate in the room, man, because all the rest of us were like, uh, bats are hurting. I don't know quite why. But it's, well, I it's, imagine their food sources might also be going down in places. There are a lot based of on my casual observations related. of bats. Uh, and yeah. Not, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Maybe with the, the yep. neonicotinoids and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a, I'm sure, a quadruple cocktail of issues making bats very fragile. And apparently the Indiana bat um, is especially sort of on that fence right now in terms of... And, and furthermore... Um, the traditional, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service quoted in this letter says that traditional summer reproductive sites are essential to the reproductive success and persistence of local populations of the Indiana bat. Um, and there's a whole U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Indiana bat summer life history. I want, I want to do a summer life history for the hot in here radio staff. <laughs> I don't um, know if that will be Indiana appropriate bat, for Aaron. There's a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service summer we'll life history information uh, pamphlet about these bats which is available and that really addresses the fact that um, the adverse impacts of this project, especially the tree removals, could really set this endangered species back quite a bit. So we kind of have our, um, our little owl, you know, we have our little, um, we have our little wildlife species who's in the mix. And I, I expect that we might, um, think about actions both on the kind of tree front and the animal front and actions that this letter says would be consistent with the national strategy to promote health of honeybees and other pollinators 
issued by, get this, the President's Pollinators Task Force on oh. May 19th, 2015. It's a thing. The President's Pollinators, even Bailey is cracking up now because it sounds preposterous, but it's great. And it's... um. It's a major agricultural state, Michigan. And so there's an argument that we have to think systemically about our food webs, mm-hmm. our ecological webs, and be really careful with a project that's going to cost, I don't know, Bailey, what's this project going to cost? Do you know anything about it? <laughs> <Can> um, you- <laughs> from the last time I looked, it said it was $6.4 for three wow. years. $6.4 million. You looked it up. Yeah, on MLive, it said $6.4 Bailey, nicely done. <laughs> $6.3 and how many years? Three years. So that sounds like a pretty far-reaching, pretty disruptive project whose outcomes everyone agrees. Drainage improvement, better safety for pedestrians, more bike access are all something we all want. But the question is, how is it being done? By whom? Is there any way it could be done without destroying so many trees or endangering them? Yeah species there's a huge i mean also just you're talking about tree removal and i'm going to talk about that in the context of palestinian land oh really um later but yeah just there's also a huge psychological impact on it like the the community socially when trees are like removed as well so i mean well that's that's so interesting and i i have to say in talking with um neighbors and as various stakeholders who some of the neighbors who've prompted this project in the first place and are now reacting to the way it's unfolding right um they're really talking about the the trees as a kind of um as a force that slows traffic like as Mm. a force that calms people as they're coming into town and and kind of announces this place as a place that's cool and green and a little Mm -hmm. slower than the big parkway or the big highway that you just Mm -hmm. came off of. And they do this signaling work trees do, and they create this kind of different energy. It has a really positive impact on the community psychologically to have that uh, be a part of uh, Mm -hmm. your, your connection to the land. And so like... Any sort of tree removal has a really negative impact on, on. Well, I would point I would point <laughs> listeners to a, a great show, and I'll put it on our blogcast this week. We did a beautiful show when the business school was rebuilding its infrastructure, and they had to relocate a huge bur oak that was like I don't know three hundred years old. And we had a whole bunch of SNRE students and others on campus who were talking with, you know, um, administrative forces on campus and with the Ross Business School community. Um, that that particular case really taught us how hard it is to move a mature hardwood tree and get it to survive. And so I think that um, these kinds of questions, as Ann Arbor grows, and it is growing. Are they planning on relocating any of the trees along Gettys, or are they just going to cut them all down and wipe them out? David, that is such a good mm-hmm. question, because the truth is, we just had a test case with the business school, and that mm-hmm. bur oak is leafing out this spring. Oh, wow. In excellent news. Yeah. Wow, that is great. They did it. They spent a ton of money to do it really <laughs> carefully. Well, I think Ross has enough of money to spend on trees. I don't know. They're only getting a new building every couple of years. So they probably have to marshal those resources. But um, I was in one of them this morning and I had a fabulous meeting with some friendly colleagues. I don't mean to diss anybody on campus. But I will say that... um, that moving trees is is very risky business, but it's something we might want to think about in the context of this Gettys project. And there's certainly a lot of expertise in town on how to do that now. So we'll post those links on our blogcast as well. Um, I, I just want to thank uh, those of us. I want to make sure that people who are interested in this project understand that the period for public comment on this is ending, I believe, tomorrow. So if you happen to be someone who 
has no relationship to the residential neighborhoods around Gettys, but rather is interested in, say, Palestine or San Francisco, but you care about trees, <laughs> please do consider lodging uh, your feelings and expressing them in, uh, before the public comment phase closes in the a2.gov city government website. We'll post those links as well, and we'll tweet them later for those who are interested, because I do feel as though um, getting better at this kind of process is a big part of who we are in Ann Arbor, and we're better than most. We should be better than most. Mm. We're mm. tree town, right? Like, it's kind of embarrassing to get this wrong. So with any luck, the engineering firm in Bloomfield Hills, I think, that's doing the job and that's been taking a lot of focus group data on this. We'll, we'll hear the public comment, the city will hear the public comment, and we'll figure out how to do this better than we might otherwise be able mm -hmm. to do it. And it really is an important opportunity to have your perspectives taken seriously at this, this level, which is one of the joys of living in a democratic society, but it's something you actually have to do in order to participate in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Spoken like someone who's been really looking at emerging democracies, Uganda. <laughs> and that's a nice segue to our more international content on today's show. In fact, um, we might even be able to segue with, with not just your words, Donia, but your music. Yes. Yes. Well, this I, first, yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually, because we're on the subject of, on the subject now, would it be, I was thinking it would be more, it would make more sense to talk about the separation barrier and... Uh, land and resources and then maybe is that cool with you Jen, cut to music. I, cut say, to I music. say we should do that would you like to play the song Checkpoint after we talk about this? Yes I would. Okay that's a little signal for Texar <laughs> Engineer this just in. So yes. So yeah just it's interesting that you're talking about this because in, in you know enter oh that's a <laughs> there it is it's a little foreshadowing <laughs> foreshadowing. Beautiful. Um, I was just well I was going to talk about the separation barrier that exists between supposed to exist between Israel and the West Bank um, but actually um, it's cuts deep into the West Bank and it's actually 85 located 85% of it is located within the West Bank and um, it started being built about 13 years ago and it's you said that these trees um, to this Baroque tree or of this mm -hmm. project, how mm -hmm. much was it? $6.4 million yeah. for Gettys Road. So the maintenance per year of the Israeli separation barrier is $260 million. And just for a little perspective. <laughs> just for perspective. Ma maintenance costs. And um, oh. um, the United Nations refer to it as a separation barrier. Um, and the International Court of Justice says that it violates international law. And what actually is happening is that it, it spans Israel's... Um, theft of agricultural land and resources and when it's completed it's going to annex 46 percent of the west bank and it isolates communities into ghettos and military zones it increases the uh, poverty rate and employment and it results in a loss of livelihood and also it has a huge psychological impact um, and because of this a lot of people are now <clears throat> international community referring to it as an apartheid wall and um, just to give you a little bit of context, it's twice as high as the Berlin Wall, and um, it's located in the city of Bethlehem. Uh, just, I don't know if you know about Bethlehem, the original Bethlehem, Palestine, not Pennsylvania, but Pope Francis. <laughs> Pope Francis uh, was there uh, recently. Um, um, I don't know if you all I followed heard about that. that. And was, yeah, yeah. Was t I mean, like so many things he's done, you think, "Wow, what next?" You know, yeah. he's, he's really kind of an amazing guy. <laughs> so there's just there's a lot of demolitions that are going on away from shops and homes and schools, and in Bethlehem in particular, 
um, the wall is encircling a lot of the refugee camps. And in particular, there's three camps there. And one of the camps has 15,000 people living per square meter, uh, per square kilometer in a small space encircled by this wall. And so people for, and, uh, people, for example, who used to have land and access to their olive trees in East Jerusalem, which has now been uh, annexed, and that part of it um, cannot no longer um, access that part of uh, their, their, those resources. Um, and if they're living in the seam zone, which is uh, the zone that exists um, between uh, the green line and uh, <clears throat> the, the wall, mm-hmm. it's basically they need to get a permit to get to that land. So they're really struggling. And um, there's because of that, there's been these uh, charity initiatives and group projects. Um, one of them in particular, you said, like, for example, here we can do tree removals, but then we can, we can with the bur oak, we can still preserve them. So in this case, you can't do that. But what you can do and what this group has been doing is they've been creating micro gardens on the rooftops of these people's homes in the refugee camps and they've been teaching them how to garden on their rooftops so now these communities that have lost a lot of resources are able to grow their own produce just on a small um area of land which is really really incredible that is incredible what is the name of this group that's helping people do this it's called karama which literally means charity and the it's if you just to give you some context like the um, in the United States, the uh, average number of people living on one square kilometer is 35. Right, and I just here did some you calculations. have 15,000. <laughs> Which is more than Manhattan in yeah. New York City. Yeah. So that's the density. Um, so as you can imagine, like these, this initiative is a, has a really positive impact on that community in particular. And um, like I was saying, it's psychologically well, very and just, therapeutic. And just to kind of complete this wonderful spirit <laughs> that you have of, of thinking across places and not making any one place into its own, you know, absolutely irreducible reality, right? I think about the cost conflict has had for um, rural populations where I work and have worked in the Central African Republic. And the spread of militias and the spread of um, arms in these cross-border militias that move between Chad and Somalia and Cameroon and Nigeria um, has meant that people are less food secure. They cannot any longer engage in the extensive agriculture that characterized their systems mixed with hunting and fishing a lot. So they're piling on top of each other in rural cities and they're creating these new urban neighborhoods where the surveillance of each other's children and crops is easier because they're more dense and the militias are less likely to come into those areas and steal food and tie people up. And, you know, so, so this kind of, um, I almost think it relates to something we could think of as involution in the sense of like, what do humans do when density rises because of these pressures, right? They, are innovative and they figure out how to use space to Mm -hmm. make food with more energy and less land. And I mean, it's what people have done with rice agriculture in terraces. It's what people do when they, when they face constraints, they innovate and it's a terrible, terrible situation for that innovation in this particular case, a tragic one, but it's interesting to hear that it's that people are figuring things out somehow. That's amazing. I think we should uh, listen to your tune, Checkpoint. Can you tell us a little bit about 
um, the sounds that you've put together into this composition? Sure. Uh, so this was, uh, along with my first time uh, going into Jerusalem from Ramallah, there's a checkpoint there called Kalandia. And I was going in with several of my students, and um, we had gotten permits to go perform at the Santa Anna Church, Santa Anna Church in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, several of my students, it was it was their first time going through, and I just had hidden a recorder um, in in my pocket, kind you're, of. <laughs> you're brave. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, I mean, a lot of people take pictures, and I, I think maybe it would have been fine if I didn't have to hide it, but. Uh, there's it, the checkpoint is really it's been compared with uh, the situation with apartheid South Africa, but there's these turnstiles you have to stand in that are caged, and then so I was recording the sound of the turnstile, um, and I also interviewed some of my uh, students about how it made them feel to have to go through this just to get to uh, uh, Jerusalem. And uh, I also recorded a choir that I worked with there, a children's choir that is from the refugee camp. Mm. So it has all, incorporates all these elements and it's kind of like a sonic uh, landscape to give the listener a vibe for what it might be like to experience going through that um, and, particular and- your concern when we were putting this together was this might be too loud or too harsh or something to play, right. but I said no. Because we lot, just heard Joe Riley, so we're ready. <laughs> no, we're very different. Balancing it out. No, balancing it for out. something totally different. I'm ready. Tex, are you ready? I think he is. Every time I go there, I just feel uh, anger, frustration, frustration, I feel it's making me feel bad and angry about them
Oh, <laughs> 